has never worked before. So she takes control of the whole situation. She transforms the attitude and the mentality. She sets the stage. Because contrary to what she thinks, men can multitask. We can eat, belch, drink water. We can do all of that in a half an hour setting. But a woman doesn't expect us to multitask. Let's go to Exodus, the 19th chapter, and verse 16. Exodus 19, 16. Now, these are just ways that God has spoken to me over the years, and they are ways that I have to invest something, God has to invest in something. Exodus 19, verse 16. All right. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there was thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceedingly loud so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the nether part of the mount. And the Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke, was on a smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount quaked greatly. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake, and God answered him by a voice. What did Moses do that day? He prepared a people to hear God. You have to purpose to hear God. When you have a need in your life, if you want to overcome it, you're going to need the wisdom, the counsel, the insight of God. He that knows all things, he that sees all things, he that can do all things. You want God to begin to speak to you. And so, don't try to multitask. Shut everything down and say, this day I'm going to go and I am going to speak to God about speaking to me. There are times that I come in and, uh, you know, we do it every other month. Pastors come in from across America and uh, they come in and they fast for four days and they come here to hear from God. I mean, we have found pastors laying in the ditches around our church. I'm thinking, what are you doing out here? They say, man, I'm telling you, I come here and I was ready to leave the ministry. But God spoke to me, and I'm out here just surrendering it all. I said, you could do that in the church too. He said, I know, but this is the lowest place I could find. And they're out there crying. And we've had children, pastors get called and say, 
Hey, your daughter just ran away with some guy. We can't find them. We think they've left the state. The police are out looking for them and all that. And those pastors say, well, I'll tell you what, I can do more good here than I can there. And they'll stay and they will fast and they'll go through it. We've seen them where when they got home, their daughters were stepping into the house with a repent of heart and God gets them delivered. And those kids right now that I know personally are in the ministry leading worship in their churches. And these men come and they come to hear the voice of God. They shut everything down and they want to hear from the Lord. So they shut their mouth down and they just become quiet. One of the hardest fasts that I go through is when I fast for a 24-hour period and I shut everything off and then I shut my lips. I don't talk for 24 hours. You say, oh, I could do that. I, I know it. I know you, buddy. We're just overwhelming bundles of energy. And you know what? It's one of the hardest fasts that I go through. I ask God to sanctify my tongue. I don't listen to music. I don't listen. I don't speak when I pray. I don't hear nothing. And I try to inform my staff, don't talk to me because I'm not talking to you. And so they know if pastor's not talking today, don't talk to him. And so unless somebody's dying and they give me a note, I don't hear anything. And so I just sat in my office and I tried to stay there 24 hours. And I realized how polluted my faith has become because I need to get rid of those things so that I stop resisting what God is trying to do in my life. And so I sanctify my ears, I sanctify my eyes, I sanctify my lips. And so that is one of the greatest fasts that I do, but it's one of the biggest struggles that I do. So when Phyllis and I want to talk, you know, we got to tell the grandkid, get out of here. Uh, Mom, Mom, and Papa want to talk. It's really not that Papa wants to talk, but he's being into forced speech. And so we're going to talk. And so just like you do, you kids get out of here. We can't hear ourselves think. You got to cleanse yourself if you're going to talk about important things. And so Phyllis turned down the TV, and I sat there trembling. What am I going to be talked to about? It's not really we're going to talk. What she means is I'm going to talk, you're going to listen, and you better for the life of you respond. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah you're, you're right. I'm, I'm telling you. It did, you know, the devil came to me one time and started talking to me, and I said, son, you ain't got no power here. I'm married to Phyllis. He said, oh, yeah, I, I, I forgot, man, a wrong house. Well, get out of here. Listen, when Phyllis talks, people tremble. David, 
Yeah, he, yeah, all right. I'm telling you. But if you don't shut those things down, you will really never get the full story. So if you want to hear God's voice, you're going to have to just prepare, set a time apart, and go and be with the Lord. And then what you want to do is this. Have a special place. Now, how many of you have moved into a new house in the last five years? Most of you are just too blessed. Uh, no. One thing that I have recognized over the years is that when people move into a new house, most of them never move their altar. They just come into a house, and guess what? They just think, oh, well, you know, hallelujah, what a great house, and God bless me. But what happens is they never establish a place that is sacred for their relationship with God. Now, I know that when Phyllis is in a certain end of the house that I don't go there because I know she's talking about me to God. I know that she's praying. That is her part of the house. And she knows that when I'm doing this uh, in another part, she doesn't come into that part. She automatically knows this is where we are. And the Bible tells us in Matthew, the fifth chapter, it says this. It says, when you bring your gift to your altar, and there you remember that your brother has an odd against you, you leave that gift there on the altar, and you go and be reconciled to your brother. Now notice that Matthew says everybody should have an altar to come to. But a lot of people never get or create a place that they're comfortable in in walking with God. You say, well, I talk to him in the car, and I, I understand all that. But really, you need a shut-off place. This is a place where my father and I commune together. It's a place where you search the Scriptures, and it's a place where you listen and you write what God is saying to you. And everybody needs that. Exodus says, look, you need to build the altar, and God will meet you there. And so you and I have to take the time to build altars in the new houses that we move into. I've had people come to me and say, man, Pastor. I mean, I've had people move to Anna to be closer to the church and not attend church after that. I said, what happened? They said, oh, we just got so busy, Pastor. And he's like, I don't know. And I can just tell you what happened. They quit meeting God at the altar. And the busyness of life consumed them. Now, I know that these are simple things, but I'm telling you how to guard your life. And many of you have been born again longer than me. I think I've been born again like 42 or 43 years. But 
Thank God I've never had a scandal. Thank God I've never, you know, my wife hasn't ever cheated on me. I've made her happy with buying her stuff and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. But listen to me. I'm telling you, this is one of the things that everybody needs to have in their life. Do you understand that when a man comes to this altar, that there is a place that he is sensitive, that God can convict him, your brother has a problem. Now, if you're just sitting watching TV, you'd say, well, that's his problem, it ain't mine. Oh, it is your problem. And so, we have to have these places that we meet with God. You say, well, I, I've never had one. Then you need to make one. Because there is a disruption between a man that knows a brother is offended and a man that is speaking to a holy God. And you have to be able to hear what God is saying and you won't do it when a brother is offended. Amen? All right, so... We understand that there needs to be an altar. Somebody say an altar. You need to have a place that is set apart for you and God. And it's one of the, just one of the most sacred places in our houses or in our homes. All right, let's go to, uh, let's go to Acts 13 and verse 2. <clears throat> this is one that many of us don't want to invade in, but it is legitimate place where we meet with God. Acts 13, and then let's look at verse 2. This is where a company of teachers and prophets are gathered together. You guys are kind of quiet today. You're what? Did you get that on that disc? Phyllis said she's listening to me. Okay, that'll be our New Year's resolution that we try to honor that. Now, it says this, as they, the prophets, the apostles, and teachers of the early church are gathered, and it says as they ministered, to the Lord. Now, what do you think they were doing? Worshiping? Worshiping, creating an atmosphere where God would inhabit the praises of his people. So they're ministering unto the Lord. They're giving something out. And it says, and fasted. The Holy Ghost said. In other words, that atmosphere of ministering to the Lord and fasting created an open heaven where the Holy Ghost could say, separate Barnabas and Paul unto me for the work whereunto I have called them. Next verse. And it says, and when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Next verse. And so they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed into Lysitia, and from thence they sailed to Cy Cyprus. So 
we see here that we can mix things that we do. So we minister to the Lord and we fasted. They fasted. What is a fasting? A fasting is really the act of bringing this human body and its voices down to the lowest common denominator, existence. And we need to exist so that the Holy Ghost can move through us, but we don't need to be so strong that he has to contend with us. Amen? And I, I like to use fasting to get back at the, my body when it says, oh, I don't want to do that. Really? Well, I'll tell you what, since you don't want to do that, let's fast. Oh, no, no, please. Hey, oh, no, let's go on over there and visit those folks. When you fast, you bring your senses to their lowest common denominator. A fasting is a willful decision to separate yourself from the pleasures of life and from food, entertainment, the joys of life, and all that kind of stuff, that you separate yourself from that for a spiritual activity. And so as we fast, that opens our senses up to hear God. And if you go to Isaiah 58 and verse 8, can you quickly get there? Isaiah 58 and verse 8 it says, wait, wait. Lo and behold, there you are. Then shall thy light, this is a fast that God has put his blessing on. And it says that thy light, light is simply revelation knowledge, a knowing and understanding, something that has divided dark or questionable areas. It becomes clear. And so your light shall break forth as the morning. That's the type of transition that takes place when the light of God enters in to a gray area. And thine health shall spring forth speedily. Thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy real reward. And verse 9, And then thou shalt call, and the Lord shall, what? Answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here am I, and take away from thee the midst of thee, the yoke and putting forth of the finger and speaking vanity. Now, in just those two verses, we see that God opens up our understandings and gives us a clear revelation or a clear vision of the path that we need to walk. And then it says in verse 9, he speaks to us. We can ask him and I will answer you. And so we see that fasting is very important in hearing God. Well, I didn't come to church to hear that. I know. I didn't come here to hear that either. I come here to preach it to you. And uh, now, let's go to uh, 
Job 33, 12. Job 33. 33, hallelujah. And so realize that we can mix these things if you want to hear from God. If you want to hear from God. Now, nobody has to hear from God, but it is a part of our heritage to hear the voice of our Father. And it says, Job 33, 12, Behold, in this thou art not just. I will answer thee that God is greater than man. Why dost thou strive against him? For he giveth not account to any of the, his matters. For God speaketh. Now listen how adamant and persistent God is. Now God speaketh once, yea, twice, yet man perceiveth it not. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falleth upon men, in slumberings upon the bed, then he, God, opens the ears of men and sealeth their instruction, that he may withdraw man from his purpose and hide man pride from man. He keepeth back his soul from the pit and his life from perishing by the sword. And he is chastened also upon the pain of his bed, and the multitude of his bones shall bones with strong pain. How many times do God, does God speak? Several times in a day. What is the hindrance? Not God, not his will. The hindrance is the soul of man. The hindrance is the busyness of life. That's why we just got through talking about being still, fasting, coming away, waiting for God. Why? Because it's required. You, we live in a very busy world. And we live in a world that is in opposition to God. And so we have to do what we can do. This is our responsibility, not God's. God is speaking. And realize that when God came to Adam and Eve in the garden, he came every day. And he didn't just come to talk to Adam. He came to hear Adam. We know that God knew Adam's voice because Adam said, well, I was afraid. God said, wait a second. What's that I hear in your voice? Non-acceptance, rejection, questions, doubt? Where did you find these things to use in our conversation together? Well, Adam discovered that in the sin that he committed. Now, God was there every day, not only to talk to Adam, but to hear from Adam. And so, 
Now we see that God's speaking once, twice. So never doubt that God's talking. Doubt that you're not listening the way you need to listen. Could I get an amen? Yeah, listen, God is never the problem. We are. So do whatever you got to do if you want to hear from God. Now, if you just want to play the lottery every time you're going to do something, then lottery away. But I want to hear a sure word from God. A couple of years ago, you know his name, uh, Rob Kennedy. You know, Rob worked for us for several years and did some crusades with us around the uh, world. But uh, Rob came and worked for us a couple of years, which was a great experience for him and a great experience for us. So uh, I called him in one day. He said, yes, Pastor, what can I do for you? I said, well, uh, in six months you're going to be leaving. He said, how'd you know that? I said, because God told me you're leaving in six months. I said, so I don't want you to work anymore. What I want you to do is every day spend your eight hours in prayer so that when you go to your next assignment, which he is now pastoring a church, uh, and we talked, and uh, so he is, he's there pastoring a church now. In fact, it's a church that his wife got delivered out of or off of drugs at. They had a drug program, and uh, he took that church over. But I told him, I said, you're going to be leaving in six months. He said, how did you know that? I said, because the Lord and I were talking, and he told me, six months. Give him all the time he needs to pray because he's going to another assignment. And when I told him, he said, that's amazing, Pastor, that Jen and I had just discussed it, decided when we were going to notify you that we were going. I said, well, I already know. Unless you want to go before then. He said, no, I want to go right when God wants me to. I said, okay, you got six months. See, we sometimes are overcome by the things of life because we never hear anything except what the voices that clutter our life. Wouldn't you much rather hear what God is warning you about? Sure, I want to be ready. I want to be ready. Now, why? God speaks once, twice, but he says this, I am here to deliver you from the purpose that is planned, set in motion, to drag your soul to the pit. And that's every direction that is not counseled by God. It will be used of the adversary to drag you to a pit of eternity without God. This is so important that we are dependent upon God. But today we just mock it all. We just say, uh, well, you know, God don't talk. Really? Well, you know, God doesn't speak like he used to. Really? 
even though he changes not. Well, you know, this doesn't happen, that doesn't happen. It might not in your faithless world, but it does in the realm of the kingdom of God where we are born again and we are seated in heavenly places. Don't tell me God doesn't talk. Just tell me your faith is so weak that it doesn't believe it. God does talk. And he hasn't really altered the way that he talks just to fit your intellectual, acceptable standard of what is right and wrong. God speaks to people. Amen? And so, here, Job tells us, look, I'm speaking to you once and twice, but you're so busy, but I don't penalize you for being busy. I just stand patiently and wait for opportunity. You under, understand how intense God is about getting you to the right place at the end of your life. Wow. I had a friend that, uh, he was an evangelist, and uh, he was preaching, and God told him to marry this girl. He said, I don't want to marry that girl. God said, I want you to marry her. I don't want to marry her. He said, I want you to marry her. He said, I'm just telling you, I don't want to marry her. And so he wrestled with him one time. He just said, God, if you want me to marry her, you have her travel from where she lives to the meeting I'm having and have her bring me an apple pie. Well, don't ask God to take obstacles out of the way. So this girl shows up in this other church in his meeting with an apple pie. I said, Bob, I shouldn't have said his name. I said, what did you do? He said, what do you think I did? I married her. He said, now I got these kids with her. And he said, you know, it just kind of grew on me. <laughs> They're still married today, have kids, have grandchildren, built several churches of multiplied thousands. And uh, he's just a great guy. But he said, God, I, I don't want to do what you want me to do. And so, you know, God will move obstacles just like he does in the day to get to you at night. You know, we need to let God speak to us because evidently from that standpoint of Job, God's not too impressed with us being able to make good decisions. So, let's let God deliver us from the sword and from the perils that await us in life. Amen? All righty, praise God. I remember one time, Phyllis, I had just told Phyllis that God called me to preach. 
took her a week to get over that. She just cried for a week. I cried for a week with her. She didn't want to be married to a preacher, and I didn't want to be married to a preacher's wife. So, <laughs> and anyway, Phyllis said, God, what are we going to do? You know, and because at that time, we decided I was going to quit my job, come out and study for the ministry. And uh, so, she said, God, what are we going to do? And God said, I want you to buy a beef. Okay, but I don't have a freezer. She said, if you want me to buy a beef, you're going to have to make a way for me to get a freezer. So like two days later, a guy comes in and says, well, my wife filed for divorce. She's leaving me. And Phyllis said, did you ever have any doubt? that, you know, eventually she's going to wise up. And uh, so he said, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to sell everything in the house. Phil said, do you have a freezer? He said, yep, for sale, $100. Phil said, okay, I'll, I'll give you $100. We'll come get it. We came and got it, bought it, had that freezer for years and years. And so God prepared a way like, you know, laying up grain for the famine. So I'll tell you what, if you ever want to know how to fix hamburger 365 ways, just see me. Because we had meatloaf with spinach. I would encourage you, we offered it to the dog and he wouldn't eat it neither. So, but we survived. And uh, so we were, we were blessed. But God prepared us. And God will show you things to come. But he can't do it if you are so busy that you're not going to get it done. John, you've got to have a dream story for me. You got a dream story? Okay, think about it. John has more stories than I think the Bible. You got one, John? All right, we'll come up here and a vision, a night dream or a vision. Could I have a, a, a microphone? Thank you, sweetheart. When we get home, we'll talk. Oh, gosh, let's not even go to meatloaf. That is the well, devil's back, food. Back when, uh, back when we were living on a farm and we had an open stairway from our kitchen down to the basement, and my daughter Miriam was about 12 years old. She was very clumsy then. <laughs> and one time I was sitting in the living room, and I just had an open vision of her starting to fall down those stairs, and she stripped. She tripped and fell down the stairs, and I heard her, and I went and I looked at her, and her neck was broken, and she was laying dead at the bottom of the stairs. And so I went into the bedroom by myself, closed the door in the dark, and I prayed and prayed and prayed until I saw that vision replayed. And this time when she started to fall, an angel grabbed her. 
And so from then on, I didn't tell Nita, I didn't tell anybody. But whenever she'd come over like that and she'd start to go down the stairs, I'd hold my breath. And two weeks later, almost two weeks to the day, I did have a dream. I remember that one too. But two weeks to the day, when Miriam was visiting, she started to go down the stairs. I heard her, and I heard her trip. Then there was no, no sound. And she came up, and her eyes were just big as saucers. And I said, Miriam, what happened? She said, I don't know. I started to fall, but something grabbed me. Yes. So you're, you're telling that you could have a vision that would vision. warn you yes. or dream that would warn right. you yes. and you could pray right. and God would respond to that prayer yeah. and rescue. And, and the dream I had after we moved into our house on Penny Royal Lane, one night I woke up at 1.30 in the morning because I'd had a, I'd had a dream. I dreamed that the door was unlocked from our French door from our deck into our living room and a young lady was walking in there. And I got up and looked and sure enough, that door was unlocked. And so from then on, every night before we went to bed, I locked the door. Two weeks later, 1.30 in the morning, I heard the latch rattling. It didn't have a knob, it had a latch and I had locked the door and I didn't see anybody. So I thought, well, I'm up, I'll go to the bathroom. So I was in the bathroom, Nita came in and said, why aren't you here when stuff is happening? And I said, well, what's happening? She said, I hear voices. There's people right outside our window. See, and God had warned me two weeks before that, that that was going to happen. So you didn't show up at home. You just threw her under the bus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That is an interesting of the vision. And yeah. that's just what, John, God wants to do for us as believers. Amen. Each and every one of us, yeah. God is actively trying to get us to have miracles. Yeah. I remember a couple of years ago, I was sitting on a, the back porch, and Andrew was riding with Lincoln, and of course I told him, keep the speed down. Oh, sure, Pastor. Well, I was sitting there, and all of a sudden the Lord said, they just flipped that go-kart. So here come Andrew and... Lincoln around the corner. I said, well, you flipped it, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, well, how'd you do that? Well, Andrew made it have more gas when we hit the driveway and just flipped it over. Yeah. So now we don't let Andrew run around with our grandkids. Yeah. And I, I can remember, too, I was saved in November 69, and my pastor got, took me to WTGN because I had been in radio many years and uh, signed me up so I could be a volunteer. So I worked Thursdays, 6 to midnight. This is the summer of 1970. And I'd work 6 to midnight. And then the, uh, Bill Settleworth, the senior, came in. He would take over from midnight to 6. And we'd talk for a while. And then I left. And it was hot summer night. And after I went, I lived in Salina. And after I went through Spencerville, I had a 69 Mustang with a 351 four-barrel Cleveland carburetor on it. And that car would just beg you to trumpet down so it could run. And so it's 1 o'clock in the morning, and, and I'm heading back, and after I passed through Spencerville, I just kicked her down and had the need for speed, leveled off 100 miles an hour, 
And I'd only gone about three miles, and God spoke to me and said, shut this thing down right now. And so I took my foot off the gas, put my foot on the brake, slowed it down to 50, and as I came over a hill, there was a little dip in the road, and there was a pony standing sideways in the road. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, if I was doing 100, I'd have blinked, and it had been all over for that pony and the pony I was driving and me. <laughs> so I went up to this house, this farmhouse, drove up in the driveway, and their bedroom window was open. It was summertime, and I said, Did, do you have a pony? And they said, yes. And I said, well, it's out here on the road. Yeah, and that's another time that God wow. warned me ahead of time. I thought you didn't have dreams. Oh, well, that, that, yeah. <laughs> that's when he just spoke to me. Yeah. yeah. But God wants to do that, John, in our everyday Amen. life. Yeah. And, and it's not just, you know, even getting saved from speed. Yeah. from an accident right and god is very active and yeah. he's speaking to us and we need to be in a state where we hear god and you know you might fast you know a month ago but it will condition you or open the door that god will respond and show you something yeah and and last winter i was coming to church on a wednesday night and it was about 15 minutes late had the jeep and nita said when i left she said don't speed i got a bad feeling about this so I just kept it right on the speed limit, 70, from Salina to, to uh, Wapak. And then when I got on 75, there were some trucks coming fast. So I just goosed it up a little bit to 75. And when I walked up to the coffee bar out here, John Hall, he's sitting right there. He turned to me, and out of the blue, he just said, do you know what partial obedience is? And I thought, why did he say that? And I said, yeah, it's disobedience. And, I, and the next time I saw him, I said, why'd you say that? He said, I don't know, it just came to me. So I thought, this is weird. So on the way home from the church to Wabuck, I drove 70. And then when I got on 33 and I passed a 70 sign, mm, I set the speed 72, just two miles an hour over. I thought, you know, I'm being marginal. So everything was good until I got within sight of Salina, and I just passed Riley Road, and all at once there was a flash and a bang, and, you know, and a bump, and I thought, what was that? You hit the pony? <laughs> no. no, I hit a deer. Oh, dear. So, so it, it, I mean, it was just flash, that was it. And I was only doing two miles over, so I, when, I, when I got up to the next exit, I called Nate and said, I gotta go back, because that that deer might still be on the road and somebody with a little car or motorcycle could hit and have a bad wreck. So I went back and sure enough, there was a deer laying dead on the road. But I said, apparently God doesn't operate on, you know, what, what do they call that when you're in school? On, on what? He doesn't operate, you know, he yeah, doesn't operate on a marginal, you know. And I said, if I was, if I was only doing 70, I'd, the, I'd have never missed it. And Nita said, yeah, if he was doing 77, you'd have missed it too. You'd have, been, you'd have gone by <laughs> before it got there. So anyways, yeah. Yep. Partial obedience is disobedience. And I learned my lesson on that. There, there you go. Yep. Thank you, John. Thank you. And, uh, you know, folks, God wants to do, do that for each and every one of us. I mean, he wants to protect us he wants to lead us he wants to bless us but you have your part in it too if you want that and the more that we respond to these ways that God speaks to us then guess what 
those more ways that we're going to hear clarity from God. Praise God. All right, stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Next week we'll finish this up of the ways that God speaks to us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's lift our hands up towards heaven. You know, God has a plan for us. He's speaking to us all the time. We have to make some adjustments of how to hear God. But don't doubt that God is speaking to us. Don't doubt that every step, He's echoing His voice to us. He's got a plan for you. Never wants to see one wrong thing to happen. But if we disobey, live in partial obedience, things can happen. We can't blame God for them. We can't question it. Let's just open our ears. Let's just open our ears. Let's take time, set it apart. Let's invite Jesus in. Let him share things that are to come. Let him show us things that are about to come. Now, God, I ask right now, that God dreams and visions would become alive in our life. You said, God, during this time of the Holy Ghost, that men would dream dreams and women would see visions. This is the time, God, that you are speaking to us. This is the time, God, where you are trying to employ us to walk with you as partners. There's nothing hid that cannot be seen, God. God, you are speaking like an echo over and over to us. Now, God, I ask you today, let us dream. Let us hear. Let us understand. And let us obey. Now, Father, I ask you to bless every household, every business, God. God, we ask you to bless our farmers. We ask you to bless our truck drivers. We ask you, God, to bless those that have put their hands, God, to work. We ask you to increase them. And God, we ask you to bless the family unit here at Only Believe Ministries Christian Center. In Jesus' mighty name, God, amen and amen. See you Wednesday night where we're having a revolution of faith. Hallelujah.